0: welcome everyone to the luke cage podcast by fantastic geek your official unofficial voice of the marvel cinematic community my name is matt and joining me as always is pete hello pete luke cage from maya the
1: luke cage podcast by fantastic geek for episode 203 wig out is brought to you by blue mountain coffee you not see me just get two cups
0: Pete, here we are. It's a Tuesday. We're talking Luke Cage in two days. Not only will there be another Luke Cage podcast episode, but of course we will be live tweeting Cloak and Dagger as that show uh, reaches Gasp, the midpoint of its uh, 10 episode first season, uh, in just a couple days. So the adventure in the MCU always ever ongoing. Take us to your recap, Matt. <laughs> aftermath of luke stopping Cockroach's domestic abuse cj and his mother drea are in shock and cockroach has a concussion and broken ribs claire arrives to help and makes it clear that if cockroach dies luke goes back to prison though once fdnyemts arrive they're happy cockroach got what was coming to him misty's there too ready to make it all disappear even though luke never makes things easy The credits reveal the episode is written by Matt Owens and directed by Mark Jobst. After the credits, Bushmaster's in bed with a lady, or two, to keep him energized. But energizing the plot is some recap of Mariah and Luke Cage. Bushmaster wants to be the one bull in the pen, and Luke is in the way. But he's keeping his eye on Mariah, along with his little birdie in Harlem's Paradise. Mariah must burn! cut to mama mariah making nice with daughter tilda who has the musical hands of a stokes there's some expositional backstory hushed tones with strangers bloody towels dark corners creeping like a creep is shades who gets taken aside and told to stop coming around without an invite he's sad especially when given marching orders to get the money together for piranha such ennui over his positions both horizontal and vertical At the hospital, Misty reflects on domestic violence calls where women recanted and detective calls where women were dead. But Cockroach doesn't know anything about that. Doesn't know anything about anything. He's the victim here. Nandi arrives a day late and a dollar short. Later, written hour, the tough-talking police lieutenant tough-talks Misty but notes nothing can be done to her, according to the brass upstairs misty ends up training with hey colleen wing who references the barefoot billionaire but misty has a lot of anger to work through and feels cloudy colleen gives the meditative pep talk but misty laughs through it and gets knocked down for it they talk defender season one and need to never have self-pity ever they go out for drinks and talk about Colleen's desire to go to libraries and other million-dollar dreams. Morty comes all up, talking to the ladies, but actually wants revenge against Misty for arresting his cousin. She beats him and his boys one-handed, literally. I mean, there's a tiny assist from Colleen as they fight in the world's widest-aisled bar that has nobody else in it, but by Morty. Daughters of the Dragon rule at pops barbershop luke circles the word brooklyn on a map of brooklyn later bobby fish asks luke if he's in the doghouse claire arrives and bobby fish walks he's upset the cops got called luke is she's upset that he was brutal with cockroach looking for nigel is shades who finds bushmaster and a satchel of money and nigel's head bushmaster is ready to renegotiate that gun deal Later, Luke goes to a Jamaican cafe looking for Nigel from the Yardies. He's referred to that Domino's game over yonder. The players laugh him out of the building, but not before someone else steps out to make a call. Luke tails him all the way back to Bushmaster's HQ. Luke kicks the door open, all slow motion, and slaps away the two goons, but there's like six more, and two of them are women because it's 2018. Bushmaster's there too and won't be told what to do because Harlem is Bushmaster's birthright. Then there's a fight scene where baddies attack by hand, one at a time, or at its most complex, maybe two at a time. There's also a great bit where Luke catches a grenade and muffles the explosion with his hands, Superman coal into a diamond style. Elsewhere, Mariah's at a highfalutin party-slash-fundraiser, and Tilda arrives. Mariah's goal? Get Mark Higgins on the hook. They're raising money for the Shirley Chisholm complex out to really, really impact the community and family first and Mariah. And it's personal. And she shares some sympathetic backstory that we really don't know if we, the audience, can believe in. At Reverend James's church, Claire arrives and Reg E. Cathy is brilliant as he talks about the Lord. And she talks about her angry boyfriend who has lost his purpose. He also calls out, Titanic's door scene, which is totally unfair because she really didn't have room for Jack. But anyway, from the ice of Titanic to the fire of Bushmaster with candles and a fire and such, watching Luke Cage fight footage, there's a strange bit where he looks half like Luke Cage, then half like Mariah, as the scene crossfades to Mariah, talking to Mark Jackson. He's been a naughty boy with Stephanie or Billy or whatever, and it's time for him to approve of his plastics company to be purchased by glenn industries right as she purchases stock in the company i actually had to watch this scene twice just to be clear on the corporate intrigue storyline tilda interrupts and mark leaves Mariah's daughter feels very complex but mom sticking a pin in the conversation once shades returns with that duffel bag well not the duffel bag with the head but 10 filled with cash but the story follows Billy, who's the songbird for Bushmasters number 2. She tips him off that Piranha Jones is where the money's going. Luke talks things out with Claire, though he's really walking the manly man line by saying he can't be held back lest he be metaphorically castrated. The scene also has a really nuanced discussion about discrimination, both social and self, as well as Luke's personal motivations for changing Harlem and changing himself luke's anger spills over and he punches a hole in the wall leading claire to say she needs to leave further luke is told he needs to go this is a long scene an actor's scene and a well-earned one luke walks home and gets punched in the face hard enough to knock him down it's bushmaster to end the episode Now we're going to talk some bad. Mm. Shut your mouth. We're just talking about bad guys, PD, and let's start with Bushmaster himself. I really dug the continued dive, Matt,
1: into his character. I feel like we've we've only just scratched the surface yet. Mustafa Shakir's uh, portrayal is so layered. From seeing him with a couple of cups of coffee at the beginning, oh. piping hot to uh how about the kung fu-esque uh you know uh obeya and training session that kind of happens with the with the tape that was shot in the uh foiled luke cage fight really enjoying what's going on there
0: the foiled luke cage fight or the intentionally we're gonna we're gonna lose this game to get the footage to defeat him in the future i mean That's what's so interesting about Bushmaster is that he's somebody who, he's not there to oppose Luke Cage. He's not there to oppose Mariah. He's just there to supersede both of them. You know, this is not, you know, you killed my parents outside the Monarch Theater. Therefore, I will get you and you will get me because I'm trying to stop you. There's no elaborate intertwining, at least thus far. It's just Bushmaster wants Harlem and these two are in the way. One is the heart and one is the soul of the community.
1: And you cut the head off of uh, the guy in charge of you sticking in a duffel bag full of cash and uh, hand it over to Shades there. It's rare, Matt, that Shades gets caught back on his heels.
0: And we certainly saw that. I guess slight question. If there ended up being uh, 10 to 12 duffel bags of cash sent by Bushmaster and the Yardy gang to Mariah with Shades, A, what happened to the head? And B, what happened to the bloody stacks of hundies? that uh that were right next to nigel's head did those get cleaned off and end up going to mariah or was it like i'm just kidding we'll swap this out for another bag
1: it's a a logistical question but one i think for tv purposes will never get answered
0: well next on the list of baddies here is mariah so pete we go from the money giver to the money receiver
1: yeah uh here with her hooks into the tech uh millionaire uh getting the money set up there to square her deal with piranha making moves and uh like bushmaster said he he wants her nice and fat and he's fattening her up with the cash here
0: well pete since we're talking about mariah let's just let's let's bring the volume down a little bit here do you remember when mariah was left widowed her daughter a newborn hey pete who's that in the back of the room now it's it's mariah's own daughter right now and i i love that whole scene because we're the only ones that know that this really heartfelt thing which you do see you know sometimes out there in the world you do see People getting over, uh, you know, decades of family strife and whatnot. But we know it's all for the PR purposes. And we are the only ones who can kind of sit in judgment uh, of Mariah, which works out well because we're the ones sitting on our couches and they're the ones acting in their fictional world.
1: It's particularly cloying because we know about it. And that done in a public setting like that. And I love that uh, Tilda the way it's written calls her out on it. Like you put me on the spot there. That was not cool. Uh, mommy, um, you know, it's written where we said before there were some things in the last episode that were not believable. That was a very believable to a pair of believable scenes and a pair of believable
0: reactions. Well, Pete, I know we discussed shades a little bit already, but this certainly is an episode where you kind of get the sense he's not—he continues to not be sure of his place, particularly when—and I will—I will quote my recap—when uh, early in the episode he's creeping like a creep in Mariah's house. I know he's got the key to get in there, uh, and indeed, he's getting a lot of places, if you know what I mean. But um, this is really where you get the sense. Continued from the last episode, that shades. I don't want to say he's being kicked to the curb, and I'm certainly not going to fault Mariah for choosing her daughter over this guy. Even though we know she's probably not choosing her daughter for altruistic reasons, but he's starting to get the message that you know that that what are his positions? What exactly is his future with this organization?
1: I love the glares and. You can't tell if it's some kind of attempt at intimidation or if he's whirling in his head, you know what? Maybe I uh, go after Tilda to hurt Mariah to gain leverage there. I mean, he is a shrewd guy. Um, so yeah, I, I again, the the character work that's happening, um, with our bad guys in particular on this show has been tremendous.
0: Well, moving on now to, to cockroach who good news, Pete, he's never heard of anything that was like bad. He doesn't know anything about anything. He's the victim.
1: Yeah, he's not the victim. We understand that. Um, and I think the show sets up the, by the, by picking up from the previous episode with the beating, um, and, uh, you know, setting up the, the dilemma and then what Misty does by letting Luke walk and then that the rest of the force is understandably upset uh, that, that Misty intervened. And I love, too, how uh, Rittenauer calls her uh, the department's Private Ryan and uh, guilts her with that. Uh, but that, that's a different story. Um with with Cockroach being beaten within an inch of his life here and creating this conflict with Claire that really buttresses this episode. Um, Cockroach is not the presence, obviously, that he was in the, the previous one, and he's no longer any kind of physical or financial threat to uh to Luke okay. and to Harlem. But to throw him in there, to have him, uh, you know, get visited by Misty and give her a hard time and everything there, uh, for, for the little he's in this, he's fully fleshed.
0: And I just have to mention as a side note, speaking of his flesh, great makeup job there. I really, really bought the notion that he had been severely beaten. And it was like this poor actor who, you know, in between takes, he's just going to go over to craft services, get some M&Ms or whatever. And he looks just, you know, horrifically bad. Uh, So kudos there. Pete, I suspect somebody who probably looks just as bad by the time the episode is, uh, is done with. That's Morty and his crew who end up far worse for wear at the hands of the Daughters of the Dragon.
1: Yeah, Morty here and his whack ass game told to swim his way back across the bar, and I just love the swagger that Colleen has as she sits at the bar there. And you you smell a setup from the moment that she says, "Let let's go. Uh, are are you thirsty? We'll go get a drink. Okay, we we know we're not talking about here. Okay, she's definitely got an edge." And when we get um, Misty there who uh, gets propositioned and then the guy turns from propositioning them and her into, wait, you sent my boys, uh, you know, to the pokey and we get this fight and Colleen doesn't go in right away, which I think is great. And then when the guy breaks off a bottle, okay, now I'm going to act Um, and again, it, it brings Misty back into what she is. How long till we have the arm, Matt?
0: Well, that's the one thing I kind of regret in, in this whole really compelling Misty storyline here is the first thing I knew about this season of Luke Cage was a picture of her with the robot arm. So I feel like they're just, they're just beating time. Until we get to that awesome reveal, uh, which is a shame because the beating time that they're doing in the interim is interesting character stuff. I know last podcast we talked a little bit about some of the you know eighteen people in the little police office room staring at her, going, "Boy, what a disappointment!" Like that was a little over the top, but maybe it was from her perspective, and maybe it was from you know she's reading into things that aren't there. You know, it's 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 neat, interesting character stuff. Um, on top of that, Pete, I'm watching the the uh, credits for this episode, you know, the, the title sequence. I see Jessica Hennick's name come up and, hey, I must be mistaken. I thought that was the name of the gal who played Colleen Wing. Um, I, I must have somehow, I must have a cross wire in my brain only to look her up as I'm watching the episode and go, oh man, she's in this episode somehow. You know, and then I'm off on this whole mental thing of, she appears as a you know, as a main cast member, but I think she's only in this one episode, blah, blah, blah. Point is, it's all really, really great stuff. I just wish we didn't have an end point with a robot arm at some point in the next, what, 10 episodes?
1: Lastly, Matt, Piranha Jones here on the scene in this episode. Really kind of moving uh, behind the scenes with Mariah, but we had... Uh, you know, heard the name mentioned with some menace. This is a deep cut comic character. So certainly bears mentioning.
0: I can only anticipate that we will see him uh, on screen in in the coming episodes. I mean, the name alone is too good. Uh, We also, of course, off of his name, we get some commentary there about, you know, a piranha, all fish are good to eat, you know, auntie, make me, make me some snapper. So, Again, you know, we have we have people who are aligned with Mariah who aren't necessarily uh, the enemy of the enemy, but nonetheless are gonna gonna get caught up in all this, and it's all a delicious future. The big picture, where we break down the theories and talk about the road ahead, Pete. I know we kind of have one in the can already in terms of when does the robot arm come. Uh, I'll do another. Spoiled to me by. Uh, by uh, Marvel uh, PR, there. Uh, when do we get Danny Rand?
1: <laughs> you asking me, or just uh, more? R- I was asking rhetorically. rhetorically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at some point, Matt, we we know obviously the deep pockets of Danny Rand of Rand Industries uh, will have to rear their head at some point. Just hope that it's more of a defender, Danny Rand, the than barefoot an- billionaire. Iron Fist, Danny Rand, uh, used to better effect in that miniseries. For me, Matt, how about uh, Dad Dillard, uh, Mariah telling that story? Is he really dead? Was he really taken out by the Contras?
0: You mean on the day when the baby was born or when she found out she was pregnant? doesn't matter which one it is because it's all baloney in my book. Asterisk, Pete, I am usually 180 degrees wrong, so I have the right direction. I just go the wrong way. So that means that the, the answer is probably yes, but I'm sticking with no, not true.
1: Stephanie, also known as Billy here, Matt, winds up being the Jamaican mole baby cousin guanguan
0: Guan. Uh, also did on camera some things you know well not off, off show <laughs> camera on mariah's camera yes. did some things and some stuff particularly on pictures two and three not seen oh boy pete i'm glad no sarcasm here i'm glad that they made this whole billy stephanie thing enough to make the character stick in your mind but not enough where it was like clear that she's going to be used as you know the the, the honeypot and the the one who turns on mariah because she's so poorly treated like the character was just at that right surface level where i knew who billy stephanie was but i in no way saw her uh becoming the the, the, the twice over double crosser that we see
1: were you at all slightly let down when she showed up in Gwen's restaurant and didn't throw out a heavy Jamaican accent?
0: Uh, yeah. I was it It made me slightly confused for a moment what she's wh- what she's doing there along with everyone else and that again I love this Jamaican accent I love the way it's you know it feels so authentic to my ears I love how we're getting this little slice of culture um mixing with everything else but uh yeah Pete maybe maybe the actress couldn't do it maybe uh I don't know maybe, maybe we're gonna get the the Billy Stephanie backstory to explain it I don't know
1: but wait Matt You're saying that actors, actresses who are not authentically Jamaican can't do Jamaican accents like Mustafa Shakir, who missed out on a couple big roles?
0: Yes. Imagine how surprised I was to discover that Mustafa Shakir was up for the role of Black Lightning in the TV show black lightning he auditioned for that pete he also auditioned for mbaku in black panther got neither role uh which i feel like is a shame because he's so good in this here's the flip side pete he's so good in this we get him to play the bad guy which has got to be a more fun role than uh th- than that of the good guy even in luke cage
1: and you know thinking about those two roles okay so black lightning obviously a series role regular work that's one thing losing out on the mbaku role okay so what was that we're talking a couple scenes in that film obviously memorable gets to challenge black panther gets to uh, rescue and have black panther uh beholden to him later in the film and then you know was in the big battle he's also in Avengers Infinity War but i have to think that a role like bushmaster here uh you know is it as steady work as uh black lightning we don't know just yet i'm guessing probably no um but allows him to show this range um this is a guy actually born in harlem matt not the character the actor in harlem um and to be able to do this this is going to be somebody who we're going to be continuing to talk about
0: and pete i was about to say well hey sorry i lost out uh on the role of mbaku winston duke among other things who plays mbaku Uh, a graduate of the yale drama school then i click over to mustafa shakir he attended the new school in new york so i mean both phenomenal actors both really charismatic who knows why these casting decisions get made i know for this bushmaster is just so hypnotic on screen Mm -hmm. I, i mean he's phenomenal and i have to imagine kind of building on what you were saying that you know, w- would the steady work of Black Lightning be, you know, is that enviable to any actor? Absolutely. But, I mean, uh, Mustafa Shakir is going to walk away from Luke Cage with a sizzle reel where you're going to see his acting range, uh, his accent ability. You're going to see him with his shirt off looking all all svelte. So, you know, the next great act in his acting uh, career is ahead of him, not behind him. And... It's all because of this character Bushmaster. Any other theories, Pete? How about
1: this big conflict that comes to a head? Luke loses his cool. Is Claire out, Matt? Are we really not going to see Rosario Dawson anymore in Harlem around Luke at all?
0: Well, I know there's a certain point where... She, I believe, I believe Rosario Dawson has a series regular role for this upcoming TV season. So there might be a certain point where she just said to them, hey, guys, these 30 episodes are so piecemeal across these different shows. It's been great. Uh, I'm going out for pilot season. Can you please write me a trap door? Um, So that's one kind of one kind of factor outside the narrative that I think is worth uh, worth keeping in mind furthermore that scene was so powerful i think part of the reason that this episode was 60 minutes long was because they wrote a six page scene to be the climax or at least the final scene of this episode figured hey you know what maybe you cut it down to four minutes or whatever maybe three and a half if there's some extra fat there then i think they just got it back and said nope we're going with this whole scene even though it's talky even though it's actors acting it's this really really important discussion that's going on in terms of uh racial self-perception racial Mm -hmm. societal perception um black versus afro-cuban african-american etc all of that kind of in there and i think they just went with went with keeping all of that in there I, as a viewer, want to see as much Rosario Dawson as possible, but I will be disappointed if next week, the uh, next week, if for the next episode, it starts out with Claire saying, You know what? You were right. I decided to come back after spending the night on my mom's couch. Like, no, this was a six minute scene of just character pathos through the lens of the racial experience, through the lens of, you know, shades of, uh, Certainly domestic violence that Claire had, had grew up with. There's no way she can come back with an all shucks attitude in episode 204.
1: It was so smartly emotionally written. And again, what, you know, we we've seen largely in these first three episodes are very authentic portrayals and situations.
0: Word on the street where we hear from you, the listener. Pete, what do you have? To
1: iTunes, Matt, where we have a review left for us by Tadland. Uh, the headline is Great Podcast Five Stars. And it reads, these guys do a much better job than the it cast. Much more professional in detail. Great job, guys. Keep it up.
0: Seen it. Never heard of it. I'll take the compliment. Uh, You know, we try and bring our brains, our heart, all and everything we do here for Fantastic Geeks. So uh, definitely appreciate the kind words there. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Listen, uh, across 14 podcasts, Uh, actually really flattered in the last week to have several tweets at um, some producers for us to possibly take another gig, uh, from somebody who got the ax, um, you know, just really, really grateful that people listen and obviously that they enjoy our stuff to the point where they would recommend us for other work.
0: We certainly look forward to hearing from, uh, from you, the listener, as we make our way through here with, uh, with Luke Cage, Pete, can't believe we're at roughly the one quarter mark already, but how can people be in touch with you? You can find
1: me on Twitter at Peter P I E T E R J Kedelar, K E T E L A A R, 10,024 followers. Can't be wrong.
0: And while I'm personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be touch with the podcast any way you like. Comment at FantasticGeek.com. Send us an email, send us a tweet, check us out on Instagram, all under fantastic geek wait, Pete, there's more
1: facebook.com slash fantastic geek with the ph all one word like it today
0: pete the pop culture podcast and the luke cage podcast feed will both update the next luke cage episode on thursday then uh, some cloak and dagger on the pop culture podcast there friday ish continuing with luke cage doing these three a week blazing through the series uh at quite the clip and i'm glad that we are with that pete I will say adios to all listeners and give you the final word.
1: Walk quickly before I change my mind.